Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. You have your Bibles, Romans 1, Romans 1. Uh, If you didn't get a handout on your way in, Justin and Jordan are coming around with those. But Romans 1 is where we're going to be today. And um, what I was going to finish out the chapter uh, today, but um, as I looked back over my notes last week and kind of um, saw what I didn't feel like I got to hone in on as much, um, I felt like that I could not go through Romans chapter number 1 without giving a little bit more time to verses 15 through 17. I know those are familiar verses, um, so I don't want you to let the familiarity of them cause you to miss the power of them, um, which is exactly what we're going to try to do today is really uh, promote the, the power of those verses. And so um, I want to recall your mind just to what we really, how the way that we introduce this series and um, recall your mind to uh, the closing, uh, really, int- I guess, illustration or conclusion of, um, of the first lesson. Uh, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and check it out. Let me make sure my mic's on. Um, but uh, anyways, we close this with verse number, or close the first uh, lesson with verse number seven. Uh, it says this, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we close that, we talked about how that these Christians, many of them, were going to have this book read to them. And to hear that statement of grace be to you, peace from God our Father, and that you're beloved of God, was something that really refreshed the hearts of these Christians. I don't know about you, but I believe that days are coming where it is going to become more difficult to be a Christian. Uh, in fact, I believe that for many of you, some, uh, sometimes you already face some of those difficulties. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at MTSU. Maybe it's at your community college. Maybe it's uh, with uh, family. Maybe it's with relationships. You already are facing a little bit of those difficulties. And sometimes it's important for us to understand that what we have placed our faith and trust in is so much bigger than the difficulties that we face in this life. The gospel is something that is called, that means good news. And when we talk about it, what we must understand is that if it ever sounds like the gospel is bad news, then that means that we have misunderstood it. I want to say that again because I don't want you to miss it. That if the gospel ever sounds like bad news, then that means that we have misunderstood it. Meaning this, there are times in your life where you say, well, it's, it's difficult for me to be a Christian and this thing that's called the gospel, like it's not so good after all. Or, or well, I, I was in a relationship and I had to break that off because of my belief in the gospel. And so it doesn't feel very good right now. When the truth is, is that the gospel is good news no matter when you hear it, no matter where you hear it. And often it is because we have misunderstood it and maybe even misdirected it and taken advantage of it. 
to where sometimes it can come across as good news. And so I want us to look at, or bad news, I want us to look at verse number 15. And then I want to introduce this with just a little bit of, of thinking, I guess if you could say it like that. And then give you quickly five thoughts of what the gospel is uh, today, because I believe that it's important for us. If we're going to understand the power of the gospel, we need to understand what it is. And I believe that comes straight from scripture. But the Bible says this, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. He says in verse number 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then he gets ready to define it. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Would you go back up and read verse number 16 out loud together with me? Um, I'm not sure how many of you have a habit of marking in your Bibles. I'm, I like my kids, actually, they used to give me a hard time when I would open my Bible. They're like, Dad, why do you color in your Bible? It's like, I don't color in it, all right? It's just that I have things that are circled all over the place. I highlight, I color coordinate. And so Baylor says that she only likes the verses that are in pink, but uh, I try to tell her they're all good, but not just the pink ones, all right? But let's read verse number 16 out loud together. And what I was going to say is if you have a habit of marking in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline, highlight, circle, square, whatever you need to do, verse number 16, because I believe it's that powerful. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, begin. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God unto salvation. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to help us as we look at these three crucial verses. Once again, just kind of dig a little deeper into them and focus on them. Uh, but let's, look, let's ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would help us today as we look into your word. Lord, may your gospel that many of us have placed our faith and trust in, Lord, may it become something that is truly powerful in our lives. May it not just be something that we carry around with us and we maybe pull out every now and then, Lord, may it be something that is truly a life-changing gift to us. Lord, I don't even know that in my human mind that I can do justice what these verses mean. And yet I know that your word is something that promises to be a sword. So, Lord, may it stab us where we need to be uh, carved out today. Lord, may it show us where we need to change. And, Lord, may it even encourage us and give strength to us for those who are maybe facing difficulty. Lord, your word is so powerful. And so, God, I ask that it would do the work today and not me. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm not sure about you, but um, I grew up in church. How many of you, if uh, we had to classify your kind of your church life, you would be you could say I grew up in church. All right, grew up in church. All right. How many of you have been in church um, for more than ten years? Been in church more than ten years. Okay. Wow, this is a lot of a lot of hands. All right. How many of you have been in church more than fifteen years? More than fifteen years. Okay. Twenty years. 25 years, 70 years, <laughs> all right, um, but you've been in church a, a lot of your life, and sometimes the um, familiarity of church, and especially this word called the gospel, 
is something that almost causes it to lose its luster. Um, there's words and there's uh, trendy words and there's things that people talk about and you end up hearing them so much that they almost stop meaning what you even think that they mean or you don't even, you don't even really think about them. My son uh, here lately, he has gotten into the word bruh. He, he's like, oh, come on, bruh. And, I, and so the other day we were going somewhere and I said, Brax, like it's time to get in the car. And he goes, oh, come on, bruh. And I was like, uh, it's dad, all right, first of all, and it's yes, sir, okay? It's, it's, I'm not your bro or whatever. And then he, he actually ended up saying it to Lauren, too. And Lauren goes, I, I'm sorry, what? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, Mommy. And so, <laughs> but you, you kind of get into the vein of, of hearing certain words, and they become a part of your language. They become a part of who you are. And as many of you who were raised in church, this word called the gospel has just become a part of who you are. It's become a part of your story. It's become something that you've believed on. It's been something that you've heard about. It's been something that you've probably told other people about. But sometimes in the midst of all of that, it's easy for us to lose its definition and to lose its power. The same way that words, as they enter into our language, when we're introduced to them, man, we just think it's the greatest thing ever. I don't know how many of you, I, I, sometimes when I read my Bible or if I'm reading a book and I come across a word that I don't know, I'm like, I'm going to look that up. Like, I'm going to be a nerd and get on merriamwebster.com and see what it means. And so I'll come home and I'll say it. And Lauren will be like, what new vocab word have you taught yourself this week? All right. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, I read it in this. All right. And uh, so anyways, but sometimes when it gets introduced, like you can begin to say it. But eventually, it's easy for it to lose its power. It's easy for it to lose its luster. It's easy for you to even begin to not completely understand what it means. And I'm not sure about you, but sometimes when I have a tendency to preach on the gospel, it's easy for me just to believe that, well, this is just another Christian truth to talk about. We can talk about prayer, and prayer is powerful. We can talk about, really, the Bible, and the Bible is powerful. I said that in my prayer, okay? We can teach and talk about a lot of things, but yet sometimes when we come to the gospel, it almost just feels like, well, it's the next thing in line that we should talk about. And my prayer for you simply today and really throughout this series is that this thing that you call the gospel, that many of you, if not all of you, have placed your faith and trust in, would begin to become more real in your life, would begin to be something that everything else works around. When you have, when you have really truly believed something and you've bought into something and you're sold out to it, everything that you do kind of flows around it, doesn't it? If you're all in on Dave Ramsey then guess what you're going to do? You're going to have your little envelope system and you're going to be like, all right, I have $7.68 left to eat out on this week, all right? So that means that I'm going to Burger King. Forget my health, all right? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be so rich, but I'm going to be so fat, all right? Like, I don't, you, if you buy into something, that's the way it works. If you buy into working out, okay, you're going to go to a gym and you're going to make sure that you work out every single day. If you've bought into eating healthy, you're going to make sure that you're eating healthy. Everything else flows around it, right? Well, watch this. When you have completely sold out to the gospel, everything else begins to work around it. All of a sudden, the things that you inconvenienced yourself for, maybe with sin or that you inconvenienced yourself for in relationships, all of a sudden now you will begin to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. And really what you're getting ready to hear, 
I don't want to advertise for everything that is going to happen on Sunday, okay? But this is going to be part one, and by the end of the day, you're going to get part three if you come to all three services, because unfortunately, you have to listen to me three times today, okay? I would inc highly encourage you serving in the nursery tonight, all right? Or, um, uh, but, okay? But I firmly believe this, that as the gospel becomes a part of who we are, it can change us from within. And so I want to give you quickly five thoughts about what the gospel is or what is the gospel from this passage. Um, I believe that this is one of the greatest definitions of the gospel. You've also got 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, uh, verses 1 through 4 there in your notes. I won't take the time to read it. But the gospel is defined in that passage as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it kind of gives us what it is in that passage. But then I believe in these verses we get to see what it does. And so first of all, I want you to notice this, that the gospel is not just for the unsaved. The gospel is not just for the unsaved. Both in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and in this passage, Paul writes and he says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, he says, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, meaning this, that he's talking to saved people. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, he says, brethren, meaning this, saved people, saved brothers and sisters in Christ. In Romans chapter number 1, he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. One of the greatest misconceptions that we have of the gospel, and for those of us who, once again, have maybe been raised in church, or even if you've been church, in church for several years now, we believe that the gospel is something, and I've said this multiple times, that only exists in the rearview mirror and not out the front windshield. Meaning it's something that I look back to in my life and not something that actually changes me every single day. And here's what I want you to begin to understand is that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the gospel is at work in your life. When you pillow your head each night before you go to bed, and you maybe pray or you fall asleep praying or whatever, all right? When that occurs, that peace that comes in your life is the result of the gospel. And so from sun up till sundown, no matter if you were saved two weeks ago, two years ago, or two decades ago, that gospel that you believed in is continuing to work in your life. And rather than see it as something, well, that's what gets me into heaven, here's what I want you to begin to see. Begin to be excited about what it is doing in your life right now. Paul says this, so as much as in me is, meaning this, I've got something bubbling up in me that I can't wait to go and tell you about. I've got something that's doing a work in me that I can't wait to see do a work in you. Have you ever noticed how the world today is beginning to uh, kind of try to disguise pyramid schemes? All right. Have you, has anybody ever noticed that? All right. It's like, <laughs> it's like they won't say that, please join my pyramid scheme. They'll just say, please become one of my sponsors. It's like, and then you go get sponsors. It's like, that feels like I'm building a pyramid, all right? Like if I'm supposed to get people under me and there's people above me and there's people somewhere around me and it all of a sudden ends up in the shape of a triangle, that is a pyramid, all right? 
And we kind of try to disguise that, don't we? Like It's like we try to use different words or we try to say, my life has been changed because of this not pyramid scheme. And isn't it funny how everyone that, that markets something, they're like, you may think that this sounds like a pyramid scheme, but guess what? It's not. It's a health journey. And it's like, it's a health journey that I'm supposed to tell someone else about and you're telling me about. And if I make money, you make money. And if, I'm, if they make me money, that's a pyramid scheme, right? It doesn't matter that you told me it wasn't. It is, all right? And so it, they kind of have a way of disguising it. But everyone's always super thrilled to tell you about what they've discovered, about what new hair product or about what new body product or about what new whatever, okay? Everyone's so excited. Like, I just couldn't let you go without not knowing about this product. Oh, yes, you could have, all right? Like, you could have definitely let me go without it. I would, in fact, I wish you would have let me go without it, all right? But it's because something is boiling inside of them, whether it be for financial gain or so that they get someone under them in their not pyramid scheme. They have a reason to tell you. And please listen to this. Sometimes we are more quick to tell people about things that don't matter than to tell people about things that do. I believe that Jesus Christ himself would be okay if we begin a pyramid scheme about the gospel, okay? I think that that's what the Great Commission is. If someone told you, it's now your job to tell someone else, and please watch this, it's not benefiting you, it's benefiting the glory of God and that person who is discovering it. And Paul says this, I've got something that God has been doing in me since I met him on the Damascus Road. And so as much as in me is, I can't wait to come and show you this. I can't wait to come and talk to you about this. And here's what I want you to see. I want to spend a little bit more time on this than I, than I will anything else. But here's what I want you to see. That truth that you call the gospel, that you may say, you know what, that's just something that I believed in years ago. It's, not, it's something that I look back to. Please listen to this. That same gospel that you've placed your faith and trust in is the same gospel that brings peace to you in the midst of difficulty. That same gospel is the same gospel that brings joy in the midst of tribulation. That same gospel is the gospel that brings hope in the midst of hopelessness. That's not just something that's back there. That's something that you might walk into a room this week and they, you might hear that someone that you love has cancer. The gospel is what inserts and interjects the hope and peace into that moment. You may walk into a classroom this week and you may face some sort of persecution or maybe some sort of mocking or, or whatever. You may walk into a place of work and have no respect. Please listen. The gospel is what infuses hope and life into that situation. It's not just something that goes back here. It's something that each and every day it changes who we are. So first of all, the gospel is not just for the unsaved. We see that in verse number 15. But secondly, the gospel is of Christ. We've already spent a lot of time on this throughout this series, and I would say we will spend more on it, but I'm not going to linger here. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. As you read through some of Paul's epistles, he has a tendency to either call this my gospel or our gospel 
but many times he refers to it as the gospel of God or the gospel of Christ or, or this gospel that you've believed on. And so he uses multiple terms for it. But it's important to understand that the reason that the gospel is good is because it doesn't come from Joel Norris. It doesn't come from the Apostle Paul. It doesn't come from any human being. It comes from Jesus Christ. And if only good flows out of the life of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that, that God is the giver of good gifts. Okay, James teaches us that. It says that there is no shadow of turning, meaning this, that the gospel is good news because of who it comes from. Okay, I can give you good news and you could probably be like, eh, there's some mixed emotions about that because it's coming from you. All right. Or I could say, you want a million dollars? And you'd be like, oh, man, thank you so much for telling me that. And then I'd be like, oh, you got to pay taxes on it. All right. That's good news mixed with bad news. In fact, very rarely do you get good news in today's world that's just all good news. All right. As soon as the news does something on some person who saved a thousand puppies, it's like, well, the person who saved a thousand puppies is like also a terrible driver and they drive too slow in traffic. It's like, okay, there's bad news too. All right. As soon as you hear a little bit of good, there's, it's always kind of mixed with bad. But please listen to this. Something that comes from Jesus Christ is only good news. The gospel is only good news because of who it comes from. But then thirdly, the gospel is the power of God to be saved. I want to spend really the rest of our time and then go through the last two quickly. But I want to spend the rest of our time on this phrase. It says this, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God to be saved. I don't know. I have tried to come up with an illustration. I have tried to come up with maybe some sort of visual to describe what that phrase means. I don't know that our minds can comprehend it, but I want to walk you through a little bit of theology quickly. Okay. What was the power of God in the Garden of Eden? Creation showed that God was powerful, right? And there was one command that was given to Adam and Eve. If you've been reading through your Bible this year, you've, you've read some of this recently. And the power of God shows up in a tree that God says, you do not need to eat of this tree. It says, let us make man in our image. And, uh, and so now man has been made in the image, image of God. And so they eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as, as God comes down and he begins to meet with Adam and Eve and he begins to talk with them, you see that there is now a separation. They've recognized that they are sinners. They've recognized that they fail. They, they clothe themselves, the Bible talks about. And there's now this distance between them. And in the Old Testament, I don't even know that necessarily we can comprehend all of this because we live in the New Testament age, but God gives them opportunities to restore their relationship with him through sacrifice, through obedience, through righteousness. The Bible talks about how that it was counted unto Abraham for righteousness, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Okay, stick with me for just one second. But every single time that was man kind of making a failed attempt to get a little bit closer to God, to, to redeem themselves, to, to maybe have a little bit of reconciliation through obedience. And so now they, they have the blessings of God, they have the favor of God. Well, Romans chapter number three teaches us, and we'll get to this as we preach through this, this book, 
Romans chapter number 3 teaches us that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Later on in verse number 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God... Nope, that's 623, all right? For all have come short and... and for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I got it. I was getting there, all right? Okay? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning this, that with every attempt that man has, we fall short. But with every attempt that God made to save us, he has succeeded. Because that's the power of God. And so if you can almost get this picture in your mind of this chasm that separates man from God and how, how do we bridge that gap? And, and yeah, we can, try to, we can try a little bit to get there and, and we may get a little bit closer, but at the end of the day, that's still a failed attempt. But watch this. The gospel is God's attempt and it was 110% successful. It was God's power to reach us. It was God's way of building the bridge that you and I could never figure out how to bridge. It was God's way of saying, I'm going to fill the gap. I'm the, I have the power to fix this. I, have the, I can do it. I can be successful in it. And every attempt that you have made has fallen short. And watch this. When we start to see ourselves as sinners who have fallen short, but have a gracious and merciful God who has succeeded, all of a sudden that gospel becomes very big in our lives. Sometimes we have a tendency of thinking that if this is the chasm, we got 75% of the way and we just needed God to fill in the 25%. When the truth is, is that we got 0% of the way and God had to come all 100%. And sometimes just because we look good, we talk good, we act good, and we maybe are good, and we've been saved, and we go to church, we almost think that like God didn't have as much work to do on us. But the truth is this, that the gospel is the power of God to save you. There was nothing that you're in your power you could do, which lastly, not lastly, number four, quickly, is that the gospel is for everyone. He says this unto, uh, he says to, the, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's interesting to me that he actually names two races in this or, or groups of people or people groups. Because just like in today's society, it's easy for us to maybe section people off. To maybe say, well, the gospel is good for maybe this person, or the gospel is good for this person, or the gospel is good as long as you come to church or whatever. Please listen to this, okay? As you begin to understand the gospel, one of the things that begins to change is that you no longer see people through the lens of what they believe about the things of this world and what they believe about the gospel. I'm not preaching just so that you don't walk out of here and say, well, Joel's going woke or Joel's... No, I promise you Joel is not going woke, all right? But please listen to this. Please do not miss or misinterpret what I'm about to say. You can change someone's political standpoint. You can change their beliefs about abortion, about homosexuality. You can talk to someone mentally and emotionally and you can argue them into a point of view that agrees with you and even agrees with scripture but there will be pro-life people who burn in hell 
there will be anti-LGBTQ people who burn in hell. And sometimes we have this almost warped view to where we think that if they check a majority of the boxes, then they're okay. You can go to work and you can stand beside beside someone on an assembly line that has the same morals as you do about some very big issues and issues that are even discussed in Scripture, okay? And yet you may sit there and think, oh, man, they voted like I vote. They, They believe like I believe about this. They think like I think about this. They believe that. Please listen. It doesn't matter what they believe about those kinds of things because that thinking eventually is clarified and nailed down through the gospel as well. And it's easy for us to say, well, I don't need to share the gospel with them because we line up with each other pretty much the same. And there's a lot of good people who will never understand the goodness of God because they have not experienced for themselves the gospel of God. And the gospel is for everyone, meaning this. That as soon as it begins to swell up and well up in you, it begins to be something that you say, I don't see that person as someone who is homeless, or I don't see that person as someone who believes differently. I see them as a soul that is either headed to heaven or to hell. And then lastly is this, that the gospel is not just for everyone, but the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. It says this, for therein, referring to the previous uh, statement, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed. How many of you ever heard the question, I can't, or heard someone talk about, I can't believe that a good God would send someone to hell. You ever heard that? Okay. Or how can a good God send someone to hell? It's because not only is God good, but he is righteous, meaning this, that every single person has the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Psalm 19 teaches us that. Later on in Romans chapter number 1, we'll see it as well. Every person has the opportunity. But just as much as God is good, he is also righteous, meaning this. He's not going to let someone in who has not discovered the good news of the gospel, just as righteously as he will let everyone in who has accepted the goodness of the gospel. And sometimes we like to paint God as this this person who he either is just so loving and just so laid back that it's just like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do. But he's still righteous. And for our little minds to understand that is pretty difficult. But the Bible teaches us this, that the righteousness of the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And here's what it shows. It shows that sin has a punishment. It shows that sin separates us. It creates that chasm between us and God. It places distance between us. But it also shows that God was righteous enough to send a payment and to allow you and I to accept it. And sometimes we fear the righteousness of God when we really should respect it and say, Lord, I'm thankful that you are righteous. 
Because once again, if the good news ever starts to sound like bad news, it's because we've misunderstood it. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to take those five points and at some point today, walk through those and say, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my relationship with someone at work? How does this reply to my relationship with my family? How does the gospel truly impact me every single day on January 29th? How will it impact me on January 30th? Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.